Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, That was actually a question, I guess. Um, Let let me lay some ground rules for you, because I know I'm new to some of y'all. It's okay to to respond out loud in church. I I know sometimes, you know, if you're at a Lutheran church and you you say amen or hallelujah, or you raise your hands, or you, you respond in some outward way, people go, we're going to make, a, we're going to make a, an agreement in this church that we're not going to give people that look. All right? Yeah, there you go. There you go. Because look, I mean, we're excited about Jesus and what he's doing, and, and I think it's okay, especially in, in this space that we express that, right? All right. So let's grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Ah, that's good. That's good. So yesterday was Halloween. And, uh, and it was weird this year. Now, Halloween is always weird, but it was, it was weird in a different way this year. You know, a lot of the usual Halloween traditions had to be modified or, or just canceled, you know. Uh, one of the things we have done, at, we, as if I was here for more than a couple months, uh, we have historically done at this church is a trunk or treat in our parking lot. And... Um, Trunk or treat's cool. If you've never done a trunk or treat, it's a good deal for the kids, right? Because uh, what happens is people, people drive in, they pop open the back of their car, be it a trunk or the, what do you call the back part of an SUV? Hatch? Yeah, yeah. Uh, or maybe truck bed. Um, and the, they decorate that space. And then, you know, they stand there, kids come by and they get candy. And if you're a kid, this is a very, very sweet deal because your candy to steps ratio is really high because it's like it's like hitting a whole block's worth of houses in one parking lot i mean that's pretty good but i digress this year we didn't do a trunk or treat um this year we did a drive-through candy distribution because it's 2020 and 2020 has been like this and i'm glad we did it um but, you know, I, I think there's a lot of folks who felt like they missed out on the usual Halloween fun. I don't know what your Halloween traditions are. Trick-or-treating is probably part of it, whether you're giving out candy or taking kids around. How about your All Saints Day traditions? Did COVID disrupt your All Saints traditions? My guess would be no, because most of us don't really have any which is weird, right? Because Halloween is a shortening of what? You know it. All Hallows Eve, which is another way to say the night before All Saints Day, right? So if you celebrate Halloween, but not All Saints Day, it's like celebrating Christmas Eve without Christmas Day, right? Over the years, I've asked a good number of people if they were celebrating All Saints Day, and you know, Sometimes it's church people. Sometimes it's, it's the poor barista at Starbucks that I just happened to, you know, tractor beam onto that day. But um, typical responses were something like this. Uh, no. What is it? Or sometimes, I, I got this more than you'd believe, I didn't know you believe in saints. That, I thought that was like a Catholic thing. And, well, as it turns out, Lutherans, and all Christians believe in saints. How could we not? The word 
is in your Bible, and it's in there quite a bit. But people do mean something when they say, I thought that was Catholic. Could, you know, do you believe in saints? And that comes from having a misunderstanding about what the word means. I'm a big believer if you're going to use a word, you, you ought to know what it means. So let's dig in. If you think that a saint is a sinless, holy person, then you are right. So long as you don't skip some really important details. Take, for example, St. Peter. Peter was, to be honest, forgive me, Peter, I just got to do this. He was a pretty impulsive knucklehead. If you read in the Bible, he, he is all the time putting his foot in his mouth, openly contradicting Jesus, and he does this a number of times. He bragged about being steadfastly devoted to Jesus, right? And before the end of that day, he denies Jesus three times when confronted by a servant girl. Now, does that sound like a saint to you? Peter was far from perfect. You know, he had hang-ups and flaws until his dying day. I mean, it didn't, he wasn't magically fixed when Jesus ascended into heaven. I mean, he still had his things. He, he lived and died a sinner. So why do we call him Saint Peter? Well, because Jesus took his sins away. So even though he lived and died a sinner, because of Jesus, he lived and died sinless. And not only was he sinless, because that was the first part, right? Sinless and holy. He was also holy. By trade, Peter was a fisherman. And um, throughout most of human history, fishermen, sailors, not the most polished and graceful people. But God took a fisherman and set him aside as a fisher of men. God laid claim to Peter through Jesus' invitation to him. Jesus said, follow me. And that was it. Because see, that's what holy means. Um, if you've been following along with our weekly devotions that we produce here, you had heard me talk about this a couple weeks ago. It was, it was awkward writing that because I knew this sermon was coming up, and then I thought, eh, who knows who's watching. And besides, any teacher will tell you, review, review helps, right? So what does holy mean? Holy means dedicated to God. Or a lot of times it means set aside for God's use. And it's been like that for every holy man or holy woman throughout all of history. God selected a person. Sometimes he did it uh, before they were born, like uh, John the Baptist. Sometimes it was in their golden years, like Abraham. Whether, whenever it happened, he said to them, from this day forward, from now on, you are mine. From now on, your life will be pointed at fulfilling my purposes. 
This happens more than we think. Right? When you think about saints, a lot of times we, we think about it as a pretty small collection of people, as if we could easily list all their names. Um, but think for a moment about how many folks have been made sinless by the blood of Jesus Christ. Think for a moment how many people have been claimed by God as his very own. Would you say that's a small number or a big number? Good, yeah. I know I'm fighting some pretty deeply ingrained instincts here, but I got to know you're paying attention. It's a pretty big number. In the, we read a passage, huge, in the passage from Revelation we read earlier, um, you can open up your, your bulletin to look at it if you want to. John's there, and he's seeing this big crowd of people, and he describes it as a vast multitude that no one could count from all tribes, peoples, and languages. That's a lot of diversity, but they had something in common. They'd washed, they had white robes that had been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And I think if you, if you could zoom in on that vision to see individual faces, you know who you'd see in that multitude? You'd see St. Gladys. Have you heard of St. Gladys? She was your third grade Sunday school teacher. I, your, your mother might have said, she must be a saint to put up with my child, you know. But, but it's true. And you'd see St. Stephen there. Not the first martyr, him too, but, but you'd see your college roommate who used to give you a ride to church every week. You'd see St. Eleanor, your neighbor. You never really got to know her, but, but she prayed for you every day. Your face is in that crowd too. You're there. This one too. All saints, washed clean in the blood of the Lamb. Holy men and women, not because of their ability or choices, but because of God's ability and God's choices. See, people become saints because People don't become saints because they're better than everyone else. People who become saints, they become saints because they're just like everyone else. Jesus didn't pick the best and the brightest to be his disciples. He picked regular Joes. Some of them were blue collar, some of them were white collar. It says in 1 Corinthians that God chose, I want to read this so I get it word for word. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Think about the way God works. God brought water out of a rock. God uh, uh, healed blind people with mud made out of spit. <laughs> he spoke through a bush and a donkey? Don't start thinking he can't or won't use you. You're at least as good as mud. 
If you're not as eloquent as a donkey, at least you'll be as eloquent as a bush, right? I mean, like, because when God moves, he wants people to know he's the one moving, right? You're not too little for God to use. So we've established that everyone belonging to Christ is a saint. By the way, show of hands, how many people felt awkward during our opening when we were calling people around you saint, or worse, when somebody called you saint? Is that a little weird for you? Yeah, yeah. We don't think about ourselves that way too often. But here's the reason I'm, I'm trying to make a point out of this. Um, people who feel like they probably are saints probably aren't. People who are made holy by Jesus, those are saints. So we started off by talking about how you celebrate All Saints Day. Well, today is a day to give special consideration to the saints who have gone on before us, to the people who are celebrating in heaven, people who, who have run the race, kept the faith of, until the end, and, and received the crown of life. I don't know how much time you've spent thinking about this stuff, but I'll tell you, I feel a little overwhelmed when I think about how there was an unbroken chain of witnesses tracing all the way back to the apostles. Somehow, over 2,000 years across the globe, one person shared the faith to the next. And that person passed on the gospel to the next. That person passed it on again and again and again and again. Jerusalem, 2,000 years ago. Liberty Hill, 2020. Person to person. It's the only way the faith happens. I, some of the folks passed that gospel along in quiet and peaceful times, you know, um, father teaches his son and they live quietly on a farm somewhere and it's great. Or you, you grow up in a time in America where it's real easy to be a Christian and everybody's just expected to be it. And so you share the gospel, it's, it's easy. But not all of them, you know. Some of the people in that chain, they met in secret. They, uh, you know, gathered in some living room or or maybe even literally underground, huddle around a single candle, peering at their Bibles, whispering to each other, and that's how they passed on the faith. Some people gathered for worship in, in austere cathedrals, you know, soaring up to the sky, stained glass, arches, the whole thing. Other people worshiped in uh, arenas full of uh, people singing praise at the top of their lungs, it looks differently in different times and places, but that gospel was passed from one saint to the next, to the next, to the next, across national borders, through language barriers. Newsflash, guys, your Bible was not originally written in English, right? It wove its way down the generations all the way until somebody spoke the gospel to you. I think that's a reason to celebrate, don't you? 
Um, Martin Luther wrote that there are three ways that we should honor the saints. The first is with thanksgiving. It's kind of what we just did. Take a moment to be thankful for the work and the witness of the saints who went on before us. That's why we prayed for a couple people today from this congregation who have entered into their promised rest. But let's not stop there. Second thing he suggests we do is that we take encouragement from their stories. Because these were regular people like us, whom God used in incredible ways. They had flaws and failings, just like we do. And if God, if God could use a guy like Jonah to bring salvation to a whole city, what might he do through you? Lastly, uh, one of the ways that we honor the saints is by following their example. The, their stories, some of which have been recorded in the Bible, it's not just a record of how they lived, right? They're examples of how we can live. We can learn from their mistakes. We can imitate their virtues. Uh, when I read through 1 Corinthians a few years ago, I was struck by something Paul wrote in there. It struck me really... Let me just read it to you. He says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. That seems a little weird. It seems weird for me to stand up here and say, be an imitator of me. But that's what Paul says. And why not? You know, why not be an imitator of Paul? Why not look at his life and learn from his boldness or, or his resilience? I mean, there's a guy that bounced back from an awful lot because he had the gospel message before his eyes. Why not learn how to forgive from Joseph? Why not learn how to trust from Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Why not learn faithfulness in prayer from your mother? Why not learn peacemaking from your grandfather? There's a responsibility that goes along with sainthood. And just as we received... The next generation of believers is looking up to you. They're watching the testimony that you give with your lips and even more with your life. They're watching your example. And maybe by God's grace, they'll learn something of holy living from that example. Because, you know, sainthood isn't in some far-off future. It's not like you become a saint when you die. Your holiness in Christ, it's a reality today. Christ's blood has washed you clean today. The Holy Spirit is inside you today. It's pushing you and nudging you and it's powering you up to do amazing things because you're holy, because God has set you aside as his own and for his purposes.
because of Christ, we are all saints. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the gift of holiness that you have imparted on us. Because that holiness implies a purpose. Lord, we pray firstly that you'd keep us from the pride that makes us feel as if we are holier than thou. Because that's not what it's about. In humility, we accept your forgiveness. In humility, we accept that we don't belong to ourselves anymore. We belong to you. And that's what makes us holy. We give you thanks, Father, as we have already twice today. Once again, we give you thanks for all those witnesses who have gone on before, all your saints who have run the race and fought the good fight, who now have entered into their promised rest. And we pray that you'll keep us faithful to the end. You'll make us steadfast and bold in speaking the truth of your word, in speaking the love of your gospel, that this next generation of believers who comes behind, again, whatever age they might be, that's not the issue. We pray, Lord, that, that we would pass that faith on to them. And we recognize, Lord, that, that we can't always tell who they are by looking at them. Anybody we lay eyes on is, is somebody that you love and somebody that, that you want to make holy. So, Lord, give us that same courage and strength and conviction and, and trust to be speakers of the gospel, to be gospel lights in our community and our families. Thank you that our holiness isn't contingent on how well we perform or how holy we feel or none of that stuff. It's a reality because your Holy Spirit comes inside of us and makes us holy. Thank you. Thank you. As we leave this place today, Lord, we ask that we wouldn't leave these words in the seat or, or in the browser when we close it today, Lord, but that they'd stick with us and carry with us through the rest of the week and through the rest of our life. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.